come on in and listen to Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is read the situation to know how to motivate people. We'll also be checking in with Christina a bit later on and having a look at innovation, particularly a few innovation products that are out there at the moment. But right now we're going to have a chat with uh, Solicitor Liam Tobin from Baker Love Lawyers. We're going to talk about corporate powers of attorney. Good afternoon, Liam. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, look, thank you very, very much for having me in the very nice uh, introductory song and uh, <laughs> the hot tip. I think I'd better stick around and listen to that um, that Harvard Review uh, uh, article that you got coming up as well. So, to motivate people. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Who can't use a bit of that? Well, let's help us with a bit of legal, legal issues at the moment. Starting sure. at the beginning, what is a power of attorney? Not a problem. So I'll start, I'll start at the, the real baseline. Um, so power of attorney is uh, essentially uh, when you can put in place a, a document that, uh, in short, allows you to nominate in the future uh, a, a person who you trust to, to make uh, decisions in your place if uh, you're, you're not, not able to for whatever reason. Um, when, when I'm helping people with these documents, they, they sort of look at me sometimes and say, oh, the attorney, that's you, know, that's you the lawyer, because they see that, that phrase on TV. But effectively, attorney just means uh, uh, transact, doing transactions for someone else. So, so, so what sort of applications would I be using a power of attorney in? So there's a, there's a pretty broad range. A, a lot of the time people uh, are familiar with um, powers of attorney in a in a, a, a personal sense with enduring powers of attorney, uh, where you know for, for family members or or just for themselves, um, they can appoint someone to to help them in the future if, uh, to make um, property and financial decisions for themselves if uh, for whatever reason in the future they lose their mental capacity and can't do that for themselves. Um, you can you can also tailor the the, the documents to be uh, for for more short term situations. For example, if you overseas and need someone to help you with the, the sale of your house or, or something a little bit more limited. Um, you, you also come across them in, in business transactions um, a little bit more if um, you'll, you'll often find in your um, transaction contracts uh, if, uh, if one of the parties does the wrong thing and, and breaches the contract, um, you'll often see that there's a, um, uh, a, an avenue for the other side to um, be appointed as the power of attorney to basically step in and, and act on behalf of that that party who has breached to um, to remedy anything that uh, that has happened. Um, but the I guess the thing we're talking about today is that um, a lot of the time business owners are not aware that there's um, there's one or two limitations to that power of attorney document that. Uh, that can cause some issues when um, they're worried about the continued operation of their business. So, so let's explore what are those limitations for business owners. So, the the main the main issue is um, that uh, a, a personal power of attorney is a fantastic document, but the one thing that people don't realise when they think they've got all their the ducks in a row and their, their documents in place for their succession planning is that that personal power of attorney doesn't allow them to appoint someone to. Um, step in as the director of the company and and, and act uh, on behalf of that person as director. So what's the reason for that? So a, a power of attorney um, uh, appoints... Uh, well, it, it deals more in, in, in personal rights, not... Um, well, sorry, the, the, the role of a director is, is a personal right, um, not a property right. A, a power of attorney will act for um, a person in, in dealing with, with property... Um, 
rights, but the the role of a director is sort of similar to um, voting in a in an upcoming federal election, um, which is not something uh, that you can pass on to someone else because it is a personal right. So I would imagine that this would become a problem at some, on some occasions. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm sure we all know um, a couple of people who have um, who have set up their business uh, in a way that it's that it's owned and operated by a proprietary limited company, um, but to also make sure that they're um, having their, I guess, their finger on the, the pulse of it. Um, the, the company's set up in a way where um, that person appoints himself as uh, sole director, uh, secretary, and often shareholder. And so the, the issue with that is um, if, <clears throat> if in the future the, that sole director, secretary, becomes incapacitated um, for whatever reason, if they're not able to make decisions due to illness or accident or if, unfortunately, they pass away... Um, that, that opens up a, a huge issue with, with what happens with the continued running of that company. Um, in the event that someone's passed away, hopefully they've, they've put in place a, a good, valid will, and that can dictate um, what happens to the shares in the company and, and what have you. And there's also, uh, in the Corporations Act, um, the ability for um, representatives to um, step in and uh, step in and deal with appointing a director if the the, the eventual shareholders of the company, um, you know, essentially don't do that first. But um, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate situation that um, administration of estates is um, just a bit of a, a slow process. And so, you know, while it can take um, a few months, ideally, to um, to administer an estate and, and get those things taken care of. Um, that's not a time period where um, it's usually appropriate for, for the, the decision-maker of the business, being that company, to, um, to sit on its hands, usually to, to keep the business going. There's, um, there's decisions that need to be made and, and, and documents that need to be signed to, to keep everything moving along, and if you can't do that, it's, it's really uh, disastrous for the business. Just just before we move on and look at what ways we could protect ourselves, just, just to clarify, we're really talking there about proprietary limited companies as opposed to sole trader. If they were a sole trader, would a personal power of attorney be okay? Well, if 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 you you're a sole trader the um the business is effectively a an it's asset. Issue. Yeah, well the I guess the, the issue is going to be if you're if you're short, if you're a sole trader you still need to go through the process of okay. that is that is a, a an, um uh, I suppose a, an asset that needs to be dealt with. Okay. Um, and so you're still going to run through that same administration issue. Um, you know, ideally that that um, that asset will eventually uh, go to someone, but mm. um, until it's decided who that person is, um, or even just who is the correct person to administer that estate, um, you know, it's it's a bit of an awkward situation where you don't you you, you can't have someone who's not um, authorized to be stepping in and making those decisions in in the short term or the long term. Mm. So. Yeah, similarly, um, I guess in that circumstance, a, a corporate power of attorney probably wouldn't be um, the the suitable answer. But um, but yeah, you, you, you're still going to run into issues if it's a um, a business run by a sole trader. So so let's talk about what is a corporate power of attorney then. Sure. So effectively, in the the same way that a, a, a human individual can uh, can set up a, a power of attorney, a uh, corporation is a um, is a, a legal entity itself, um, and and so similarly, they, um, with a bit of foresight, that uh, company can put in place a document that um, is effectively a power of attorney that says, in in certain circumstances, um, 
this is the the person who I nominate to um, step in and and make decisions. So, for example, if if the the director passes away um, or becomes incapacitated, this is the the person who is authorised to um, to do certain things. And so, I guess similarly to to your, your personal documents, um, it's it's one of those documents that's imperative to have in place before it's needed. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that you, you want to get done, know that it's there, leave it in the bottom drawer if it's ever needed, or, you know, ideally in the, um, the deed safe of your, uh, your, your lawyer's office, so it's nice and safe. But um, ultimately, it's the, the document that you, you want to have in place before you need it, because if you leave it too late, um, it's, it's unfortunately it's not late. something you can do after the fact. So, so uh, just briefly, what can the corporate power of attorney allow people to do? Sure. Um, so the, the the good thing is you can sort of tailor it to um, to, to do whatever is going to make sense, um, and so it can be it can be fairly broad, or you can um, have a, a corporate power of attorney that is is as limited and specific um, to to whatever is is going to be needed. So, for example, I mean, even if um, it's not a situation where um, the person has passed away or, or is incapable of making decisions, you can set up. Um, a corporate power of attorney to do specific things such as you know sign off on checks or, or um, act in um, uh, you know certain running of the business or, or certain property transactions or you can you can really sort of narrow it down on on specific things or you can keep it um, fairly broad it, it really just does depend on on the circumstances and um, and I guess the other reason why I talk about the circumstances and um, why it's important to, to tailor it is um, Look, uh, there are going to be certain circumstances where a corporate power of attorney um, should be limited or, or potentially might not be the most appropriate um, avenue as well. So, for example, when you know a lot, a lot of people will also um, be using uh, proprietary limited companies as trustees of their self-managed super fund, and, mm. and you, you need to be wary in those kind of situations because uh, the CIS Act has uh, fairly specific um, requirements as to who can be the director. Um, you know, in keeping in mind who are the, the members and, and you, you really want to make sure that you're not setting up um, uh, a mechanism where you're going to fall foul of the, the CIS Act and not be a complying fund. So there are there are a couple of um, things just to be wary of, but the, the short answer there is um, it's, it's something to, to look into um, in, in your prudent succession planning and um, uh, just uh, it's important to to get some good advice from someone that can uh, walk you through it. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Liam. Um, oh, pleasure, John. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Yeah, look forward to it. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Liam Tobin there, uh, helping us to understand, yeah, just not an ordinary power of attorney. If we've, we've got a company, we need to uh, talk with our legal advisor and get some direction on corporate powers of attorney. Time to pop over for our weekly chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Uh, We're going to look at some more of those innovative products. Yes, so products and services. So Volvo has had a name um, for being, you know, safety, very safety conscious. Their whole safety systems have been um, promoted throughout their um, throughout their history since 1927. They've, they've had a reputation as being the safest car on the road. Uh, but it's been quite a while since they've actually promoted safety or their perception of safety as part of their um, part of their talk in the industry. So, but what they're doing from um, 2020 
every single Volvo car is going to be equipped with some safety systems and they're going to be monitoring and reacting to dangerous driving behaviour. So they're going to have driver-facing cameras and sensors um, that are going to, they'll have some aspects of facial recognition. They'll be following eyes of the driver and they'll be able to detect whether the driver's intoxicated, distracted, um, acting erratically. And they'll be, so what the car's going to be doing is it will use um, flashing lights. So it will go, it will flash its lights. It will beep warning signals. Um, a live assistant will contact you. So they're in the process of just putting the fine, finishing touches on what this whole safety um, mechanism is going to be, but I'm wondering what the results are going to be dependent mm. on. So they've done some facial recognition work um, with criminal recognition, and, and it wasn't very accurate. So it'll be interesting to find mm. out whether um, if I get in the car and I'm nervous about driving at night, whether my eye movement is going gonna, is gonna to give me up as being intoxicated and I don't drink at all. So that, that's yeah. waiting to be seen, the end result of that. Yeah. There's another, um, another startup that I was reading about this week. It's just been, um, it's, had a, it's, been it's been granted a, a partnership with Tough, Tough Mudder. And what it is, it's a, there's a Sydney photography startup. Some people would have read about this in Smart Company. Um, Geo Snapshot, and they've got this partnership, but what, what's happening now is that um, it's, a, it's a photo management platform. So we often talk about those connector sites. And what it's going to be is it's going to enable participants in sports or on treks or in you know, holiday experiences to actually find photos that professional photographers have uploaded to this site um, simply by uploading a selfie of themselves. And all the photos that have been taken um, of them will then come up and the photographers will be able to sell them. So it's just another, it's a different way of tracking um, or finding information about where you've been. Is it, is it uh, only related to the actual professional photography ones or is it going to be able to track us so we can see anyone else putting pictures up of? No, the, the only people that will be able to upload at this stage, like who knows what's going to happen, it's for professional photographers, mm. and they will be able. They're selling the photos okay. to the other end. So if, if I play in a, in a netball grand final um, on a weekend, and I'm clearly taking part, and there's professional photographers there, the professional photographer can upload the professional photos. I will upload my selfie. It will match by facial recognition, and I have the opportunity to buy the photos. So mm. I thought, mm. how how inventive is that for finding a gap in the market? Um, then, I, then I thought we might return to CES. We spoke about CES um, a few weeks ago and have a look at some of the drones that were on display at CES. So there's one called the Sunflower Lab, and it's all about home security. So what it's going to do is um, they've actually called the drone the bee, like it's bee, and Sunflower Sensors learn learn by repetition what your property's routine is. And, and if there's any unusual activity... The drone will come out, so the sensors are happening all the time. If there's any unusual activity, say at midnight there's somebody trampsing in the garden, this, the drone will come out and the drone will be able to, to um, locate on your property where this unusual activity is happening uh, and it will, it will send messages back, send photos back. When the, mm. I like this bit. When the bees work's done, the bee returns to the hive and it gets recharged. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, not, it's not actually available yet. They're still in beta testing as well. But it's amazing what we are able now to do with drones. There's also another one um, that's, that's a marine drone. It's called the Power Dolphin, uh, and it's going to be suitable for water sports and photography, but it's also going to allow scientists another way of exploring um, marine life. Mm. And while you're talking drones, uh, Google's been given permission by the Civil Aviation to carry out uh, drone deliveries in uh, 
in Canberra. And I don't know why they've picked it, but they've picked gelato and golf products as the two products they're going to be delivering. But it uh, be interesting to see uh, what happens there. And how many users? I can tell you why they picked gelato because it's a very um, it's a very common product that families want. And golf is apparently are really good to test new things on because they're the first ones to jump on board um, to be able to to yeah. get new product and new right. services. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Christina. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Christina there with some of those interesting products. Time for our Harvard Business Review tips. And as we said earlier, read the situation to know how to motivate people. Keeping employees motivated is one of the most important responsibilities of a manager. To do this, make sure you're using the right motivational tools at the right times. And keep these guidelines in mind. First of all, feedback. To enhance commitment... Offer positive feedback when an employee is just getting started on a project. Solicit negative feedback toward the finish line to highlight any slow progress. Secondly, goal setting. Focus on the work that's been done at the beginning of the project. Focus on how much work needs to be done near the end to avoid frustration. And finally, incentives. Immediate rewards maybe a bonus, are more effective in increasing motivation. Use extensive incentives, incentives, that is money, to motivate at the beginning of a project and use intrinsic incentives, which is job satisfaction, to help people persist towards the end of the project. So there's ways of balancing our motivation of people. Some very good tips there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.